I'm Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Bar Review, speaking with David Salzman, colleague I've known for a long time, <laughs> but we've never done this in this setting. So, David, thank you very much for doing this. And how are you today? I'm good. I was happy that you reached out to me. Um, you know, I, I was hoping uh, that the main reason was so we could finally get together what's been a dream of ours for, for a while. We talked about it, and that's to get Houston and Rice and Texas Southern and Prairie View and HBU. You can go to Lamar, same Houston, SFA. I don't care. Just get all these Houston area college basketball teams. You can do men one day and women the next day or mix it. I don't care. Right. And have them in one spot and have it celebrate the college hoops in Houston and the Houston area. Because uh, they've done it in Indianapolis. They've done it in Iowa. Um, but they Philly. can do it in uh, Philly. Yeah. I mean, they can do it in so many other places. And it would just be an awesome day. I think we need to start like Gardner Salzman Productions and maybe just finally get it together ourselves um, because that, that would be amazing for the city. I, we've talked I about think, it forever, haven't we? Right. I think we would have to do that yeah. <laughs> because I know some coaches are more agreeable to it than others, but I, I still think it's it's a win-win for the city. And, and Yes. So that's the reason why. I mean, it helped generate interest. Mm -hmm. You never know. You might keep some kids local, you know. Yep. Become the annual thing and keep the talent here in the area. So, yeah, to be a boost, but for sure. Yeah, if it's a money thing, then we'll just have to raise money. And, so, you know, we'll, we'll give you of H a little more to entice them. They'd be the big draw, right? But uh, we, we'll do what we can. <laughs> right. So, that's, I mean, that's what we'll do. We'll have to just make it happen. And just, uh, I gave up on it sometime. And, you know, I still have friends who kind of push it and want that. So, you know, why not? You know, so. Yeah. One person who probably would help us would be a van chancellor. So, yep. you know, so that'll lean into our regular discussion. <laughs> David, how, who are you and what have you done in case some people have no idea why we're talking? Yeah. Who am I? It's a good question. Um, so, well, I, I, why I know you and Jerry and Ralph and uh, big time Nate Griffin and, and, and all of you guys in Houston is that I've been doing broadcasting um, in and about Houston for, for, for quite a while now. Really, I, I guess our relationship started when I started doing uh, radio for Rice football and basketball in 2007. Um, that was really my last radio job. It went until 2011. Uh, Rice made the job full time and, and I declined because I've been in financial advising for 20 years. This is my office. Um, it's pretty boring. You got the picture of the Longhorn behind me, uh, but it's where I do most of my work. Um, but uh, at the time I left Rice, I was starting to get into TV and I've been doing broadcasting um, on, on television for, for a while now. And it's just slowly grown. I've been very fortunate. Uh, it's area high school basketball then it extended to the southland conference which i'm still very happy to do games and i've done their basketball tournament in in katie for a while it's about to move to lake charles and, and then from there have done games some games uh directly for espn i did the southland conference title game in march which was fantastic and i'll do some american conference big 12 um as well in addition to doing some individual games for schools like houston and rice when they're the ones making the decisions on who to hire well that's one leads to one of my questions how are you assigned games or you reach out to the schools the conference the team how does that work great question and um you know I'll, I'll kind of answer it also as advice for those who may be like me you know 10 20 years younger than, than i am now who's interested in getting into something like this um where it's really all up to the individual to network to send out emails and to do all that heavy lifting 
yourself. Um, so to answer your question, uh, especially nowadays, it wasn't like this five and especially 10 years ago where so many schools now are producing their own games. I mean, Houston does so many sports. Um, Rice is doing some. They'll start to do more when they become an American Conference member in 2023. HBU has taken the lead and has started to produce some of their own basketball and baseball. And so it's all through the schools. So it's up to those like myself to get in touch with whoever's in charge of making the decisions on who to hire, whether it's play-by-play, whether it's analysts, whether it's behind the scenes, producer, director, technical stuff, uh, stuff I could never do. Um, it is really getting in touch with the schools. Lamar's the same way. Sam Houston, SFA's the same uh, the, the same way. And I'm sure a lot of other schools who might not be doing that type of thing yet um, will do so in the future. So getting in touch with the schools is the most important thing. For, for some of the games I do, like the, uh, the the Southland Conference title game, for example, that's an ESPN decision um, where they've given me a few games uh, per year over the years. Um, but much like getting in touch with the schools, I had been well, good examples with ESPN, where I started doing games for ESPN Plus. It was about 2015, but I had been emailing the person in charge of making the talent decisions for three years, and I hadn't heard anything. Um, but I still emailed every three months because it's you know it, it, if I don't email, I'm not going to get a yes. If I email, you know maybe I will. And it just all of a sudden, three years after I started, got an email and they asked if I was available for a game. Then I was on their list. And, and from there, I've been getting games here and there. So long story short, it's all up to the individual to grind and network and build relationships because that's where a lot of the games uh, will come from. Do you have like put together a reel of your work? Or how does that mm-hmm. work? Good question. So the answer is yes. Um, in fact, I'm, I'm in the process of putting together my football reel because I'd, I'd love to do more football games. Um, I already do stuff for Southland and Rice, which is great. I want to do some more American, even try to do Big 12, stuff like that if I can. Um, so I'm putting together a reel of my football work from the fall, uh, which is a, a bunch of different individual clips, and it'll total about three to four minutes. It, it used to be when I started where you could send out this one long eight to ten minute clip um, of yourself, where it's not even edited, it's just a full clip. Um, but as time's gone on, the people making the talent decisions are getting busier. And so they've said that they prefer to have kind of a shorter reel of about three to four minutes tops. And then if they like your stuff enough, they, they may ask for more. How'd you get started? You mentioned um, you started radio first, but yeah, were you a kid just calling games in the, in the backyard or watching TV or how, how did it all start? Oh, man, I could talk about this forever. I won't bore you with the whole story. Um, But but the the answer is yes to most of that. Um, The first games I remember calling in my head were watching the old Rockets teams. You you got your Clutch City shirt. I mean, I'm born and raised in Houston. I live in Austin now. Um, But, uh, you know, in 94, when they won it, I celebrated on Richmond with everyone else. And then I was a Hakeem guy. Um, Even going back to his U of H days, my dad and I had season tickets and uh, we saw the, the final year of Fice Lama Jamma together in, in, in 84, and I cried going to sleep in 83 when they lost to NC State. Um, but I imagine doing those games. Um, I was going to be the next Gene Peterson. I mean, he, he was the one that I just love listening to with his passion and his energy. 
Um, and so I went to UT and got a broadcast journalism degree. Uh, and there were 24 in my journalism class, if you will. The rest were smart and wanted to go into TV. And I said, nope, I'm going to go into radio. Uh, so um, it, it was uh, it was good. Uh, you know, initially, as far as full time work, I was doing games at Nickel State, uh, Southland Conference member in Thibodeau, Louisiana, at about age 25. So I, I felt my career path was going pretty well. Um, but then in life, obstacles happen. So they got a new athletic director. He brought in his friend to do the games and I was out. Um, so from there, I moved to Austin and actually uh, was fortunate to begin my financial advising career, which was not fun at first. It's much better. Uh, it's never fun at the beginning. But then I dabbled still in high school radio. And then in 07, um, I got my big break where uh, ESPN 97.5 opened up there in Houston. And I knew personally the first ever program director there, who's still a friend of mine named John Madani. Um, and this goes back to what I said before about building relationships mm -hmm. and networking. I reached out to John and I said, congratulations. It's great you're in Houston because he had been out of Texas for a long time. And I said, can he have lunch? And we had lunch and I just said, what games are you doing? I'd be interested in say high school games that you're putting on Fridays. And he said, well, I'm not doing any of that, but we're about to get the Rice games. Um, the voice of Rice before was working full time at another station. He couldn't move over. Um, and literally the next day after having lunch with John, I was on the Rice campus talking to the person in charge and making the decision. And that's literally how I got the job from a relationship because I knew John when I interned in radio at UT back in the mid 90s, just keeping that relationship up, keeping that friendship alive um, and then asking really what he was doing. And, and, and from there, that that's kind of when the, the, the career started to take off more, meeting you all and doing games on the college level. And as I mentioned before, shifting into TV. Have you kept the tally even just in your head about how many partners you work with on radio or TV? Uh, uh, no, quite a few. Um, gosh, you know, it goes back. And, and anyone who's done high school games, my, the my, I, my first high school game, uh, football game, was in Dieball, which is just south of Lufkin. It was all 3A football back then. And the color analyst was the assistant principal at the high school. So uh, that's not uncommon for small towns like that. Um, and then even at Nichols, you know, you, you think and most colleges have their own analysts for a while, but when I got there, they really didn't have one. So uh, the, the first year I did it, I did it with the Nichols student. And then the next year I did it with, with an old friend who I, I think, uh, you know, sold uh, street signs or something like that. Um, but then I, I kind of moving ahead, my, my first longtime analyst was the great Nick Griffin, who I know is uh, good friends with both of us. Um, and it's been a wonderful relationship and friendship with him. Uh, he has a lot of tolerance dealing with me for the five years that he did. Um, and, and so I was able to be with him for all the times I was doing play-by-play -play for Rice football. And then with other games like the Southland, Van Chancellor, I've had the pleasure of doing games with, who's terrific, Jim Haller, um, among others. And, and then for the other games I do, it's, it's kind of hit or miss. Uh, Reed Geddes, I've had the pleasure of doing games with at Houston, and he's amazing. Um, so it's been quite a few, and I've learned from every one of them. I, I would imagine a few dozen, uh, kind of to answer your, your, your question as to how many I've probably worked with overall. How would you describe your, your style? Oh, man. Um, well, I'm on TV now, so I would say too wordy. <laughs> Just because I'm an old radio guy. That's been the big challenge, and it still is, is not doing a radio call on TV 
because uh, you simply don't need to do it. Um, I've actually worked with a coach this year on making my calls even more concise, even like one word descriptions, which has been helpful because you don't really have to describe a whole lot on, it, on TV because obviously you can see it. I would think though, um, I wanna be, I mean, if someone's watching a game, um, they're either very involved with their team, one of the teams that, 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 that they're watching, or they, they are just big fans of the sport. And so I th what I try to do is bring an appropriate energy. I, I do think sometimes I'm watching games and there's not enough energy. I, I, I think the play-by-play -play and the analysts, they don't want to crowd the game. They're not the story. Um, but at the same th time, I think there's energy that you can supplement with what you're already seeing, whether it's a play on the field, the crowd going crazy, things of that nature. So I, I try to be energetic enough and fun enough because that's what sports is. That's why we do it. It's, it's fun. It's great to be around the games. It's great to be around the people. If you're not having fun doing it, then, then you shouldn't do it. Um, and then so I do try to be energetic and fun up to a point that, that I'm not too overwhelming. Nate will tell you that I was probably way too overwhelming the first TV games we did because I was just doing radio calls and chat, chat, chatting. Um, but you can still be a lot of fun and energetic without saying a whole lot. How many different sports have you called? Uh, well, the, the main ones, football, basketball, baseball, I'm actually doing tennis Sunday on LHN. Um, and so I haven't done that in a long time. Uh, volleyball, soccer. I had the opportunity almost to do a pickleball tournament back in the fall, but that fell through. Uh, what is that? Six. Um, those are the main ones. I've never done hockey. I always wanted to do hockey. I, I'm not qualified to do it today. I wouldn't even try it. Um, but I, I grew up loving hockey like any other sport. Uh, but but I, I think it's mainly those half a dozen, unless I'm forgetting something. Softball, too. I'm sorry. So okay. let's make it seven. How, how do you prepare for a sport? Good question. Um, so it depends on the sport. But but overall, you really want to know, well, first off, you, you want to know the teams, you want to know how they've done, you want to know storylines involving the, the game itself. Um, and then you, you also want to bring the analyst in because the analyst is going to be the one to describe the, the keys to each team, etc. Um, but over and above this, and this is much more with TV than radio, because radio, you really only have time to describe the game unless there's a brief stoppage of play, for example. But on TV, that's not the case. Um, so over and above just learning about the teams and the game coming up, I do try to focus a whole lot on the human interest element. Um, some sort of adversity one has overcome. Um, some cool ritual maybe a team has or a player has, some unusual upbringing. You know, basketball, especially, as you know, it's such an international game. I mean, there are players from all over the world, and all of them uh, really have an amazing story as to how they got to the uh, U.S. The Southland Conference title game I call maybe Corpus Christi's best player, Isaac Mushila, is from the Congo. Um, he had been to like two AAUs and two JUCOs before making it to Corpus. And his mom watched all the games from home. So she was watching it like at 4.30 a.m. local time. So that's that's probably because she's still in the Congo. So that's that's an example of a cool story to really look into. Um, but but to, that's really the main thing over and above the game itself is to kind of look for that human interest angle um, to, to more, I guess, for lack of a better term, humanize these players. We see them maybe as players first and we're hoping our team wins. Uh, but they all have a good story and some of them amazing stories that should be told. How did the, the pandemic 
impact your work? So um, I feel a little bad saying this, but it helped in a little way because I, the reason being is at ESPN, um, they weren't traveling their crews and then they allowed some of their American conference games uh, to be broadcast and be a remote broadcast. And what that essentially means is that most of the people are at home or in a studio somewhere doing the game. And the studio that got the American conference game that they put on ESPN Plus was called L2 Productions, and it's here in Austin. ESPN all the time, uh, when they look for those like me, they're looking at us geographically. So they're never going to send me to Oregon. But if there's a game in Texas, um, then, then I'm a candidate just because I'm on the list and I, you know, we live in, in Texas, the southwest part of the country. Um, so because these games were at L2 in their studio, it's 15 minutes away from me. So I, I, I frankly wind up doing the most football games for ESPN I've ever done during the pandemic. And then the next season, I guess that was this past fall, directly for ESPN, I didn't do any. <laughs> so it's just kind of how it goes. Um, but it, I, it was a hard adjustment. Um, I was definitely fortunate, I will say. Now, for basketball, there were fewer games because uh, they, they didn't want people to travel. And in Austin, it's just UT, and, and LHN's going to cover all of those. How much do you travel for your work? <sighs> um I try to do it less. <laughs> I'm approaching 50. Uh, it's getting uh, tiring, I'll admit. Um, not near as much as I used to. I, I mean, when when I was at Rice, the beginning and end of my five-year stint there, I lived in Austin, and I was traveling all the time. I honestly wouldn't, I, I would say no to it today. Um, but probably I've gotten to a point where I'm traveling for games, and this is mainly football, basketball, I'll, I'll rarely do other things, uh, other sports, once every two to three weeks. And, and, and then it's usually a fairly good drive to Houston, or I went down to Corpus Christi once, things of that nature. How long, how much longer do you want to do this? <laughs> um, great question. Uh, I don't see myself wanting to stop as long as I'm having fun and enjoying the games and enjoying the relationships I've built and the people I'm around, um, I'd love to, to keep doing this. Um, the only thing that would, I guess, stop me is if the travel does get too much, but I, I don't see that happening. I, I've been very lucky that I'm able to do games for places like the Southland um, and then Houston. Uh, I don't do as much at U of H anymore, but, but you know, Rice, um, where the travel, the travel's fine. You know, that I can do. I mean, I used to travel so much more and that became a grind. So as, as long as the games are fun and I can limit the travel to a degree, cause I still have my financial advising practice. I got two growing kids and a family. I want to be with them too. Um, then I'll do it for as long as my, uh, voice holds out. And as long as someone's crazy enough to keep hiring me. So you, you've established a, a, a solid work-life balance. Um, it is always a process, but yes, I, I will say, and, and this is the most challenging part, you know, for example, I got this Longhorn tennis assignment yesterday. So I guess the person who was assigned had to drop out for some reason. And so all of a sudden I'm looking at my calendar going, when am I going to prep for this? Uh, and so it's moving the calendar around and, and it's making sure I have time to prep and making sure I have time for my clients and, and, and making sure I have time for family, things, uh, things like that. 
Um, so unfortunately I have to look at my calendar, it seems six to eight times a day, just to make sure I'm giving myself that balance. Um, but right now it's, it's good enough. Since your voice is your instrument, do you, any, do you do anything to take care of it? Not enough. I will fully admit, um, I should do warmups before games, which I don't do. I should have more tea after games. Um, during games, I may have seven, eight bottles of water because I'm talking so loud. Uh, but, um, I, I will fully admit, I, I don't do all I should, uh, because at some point, yeah, the, the, the voice is going to wear out and I need to make sure it lasts as long as possible. My family probably wouldn't mind if I lost my voice. Uh, but, but, but otherwise, yeah, I need to do more for it. You mentioned a few minutes ago that you have a, a coach to help you. How long have you had a coach and did it? take some urging or some someone suggested it to you or, or you decided about doing it yourself? Yeah, great question. And thank you for bringing that up because one regret that I've had, if I look back on for as long as I'm doing this, is that I have not used a coach really at all. I mean, this is my first real broadcasting coach. I went out and got advice from others here and there. Um, I think I got to a point where, you know, I, I do games and I, I love the people I do games for, you know, the Southland and Rice, et cetera. Um, but I want to sprinkle in games somewhere else if I can, like the American and the Big 12, like I mentioned. And so I got to a point where I was like, let's maybe take one step I haven't taken to see if it can help me get those types of games. Now, I haven't yet, um, but I'm still trying. Uh, so I hired a coach. Her name's Jill Montgomery. Uh, she's very tough and fair, and she's helped me a ton. She's with a company, her own company called Four Leaf. Um, and she, you know, I mentioned before, trying to be more concise, making descriptions even down to one word if possible. Those are all her ideas. And so why I'll go back to the beginning of my comment where it's a regret is that it's one of those things where I realized that maybe if I would have done something like that sooner, I could have improved my call sooner because all of us who are in the business, we're good enough to get the games we can get right. But are we the best we can be? And, and I would say that even though we all probably have strong opinions on how a game should sound and what our style should be, there's no way that we can know 100 percent whether we're doing the, the best we can. It's, it's like a player. I mean, any all star still has a coach or a manager or someone helping them out. Broadcasting really should be the, the same thing. So if one can, I, I would really urge people to get a coach to fully critique what they're doing because it will open their eyes to certain parts of their calls like it has with me that I, there's no way I can see or hear that myself. Have you called any pro sports? I am not. Um, boy, that would be amazing. Uh, but, but no, I'm trying to think if I'm forgetting. Um, but no, no, no pro sports at all. How much has technology changed since you started? Well, I mean, the remote broadcasts are, are a huge part of it. Um, where, and it, I guess we should explain for those who don't know, the remote broadcasts are, well, I'm in a studio. I and uh, the analyst is looking at this big TV, more or less, and, and that's where we're seeing the game. Now, obviously, the camera people are there and there are people getting sound. So we're able to hear the crowd, at least, uh, which is very helpful. But now we're able, technology is good enough where we are able to watch games on this big monitor and call the game and make it sound like we're there. 
Um, and that's not going away. It's, it's a money saver. Um, and then during the pandemic, it was essential to be able to still have uh, the broadcasters be able to do games instead of have them travel. Um, I think only that technology will get better. I, I will admit it's rough at times, and maybe even the viewer sometimes can 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 realize there's there's maybe a little difference. Um, but that'll only get better, and it's going to stay. And one last thing, speaking with David Salzman, you touched on some advice. Is there any other advice that you would like to give to uh, folks who have this interest? No, you know the the, the two things I'll just reiterate because as I was thinking about maybe you know how I would answer some of your questions, I, I came back to this. Yeah, number one I just mentioned was to not be afraid to get advice from others. Even if it's even if it's advice you don't want to hear, you can even disagree with the advice, but it, it at least makes you think about something more than what you can come up with by yourself. I will fully admit that I knew that my coaching would be helpful. It's more helpful than what I thought. Because again, there's, there's just no way that we can see or hear every little piece of a call that, that we can be the best at. Someone else is going to see or hear something and come up with, with different ideas. Um, because broadcasting, I go back to the comparison with the pitcher. I mean, the pitcher's got to throw strikes. He's got to get guys out. I mean, there's a definite in-game for that. Broadcasting is more all over the place because there's so many different styles and there's so many ways to call the game. And so because of that, there's so many different ideas one can hear about how to make their call better. And it's not just broadcasting. It can be you're an anchor. You're a reporter. How are you coming across? I, I would encourage, regardless of the field one is in, to um, swallow pride as I had to do and to go out and get advice from others and be able to hear that advice, even if you don't like it. And think about really whether it's whether it has merit, um, which certainly the coaching I, I have had has. And then I want to go back to the beginning because we all want to get better at our trade. You know, I'll, I'll take the broadcasting on my end, um, but at the same time, especially if you're on your own, if you're working for a team, then that that's wonderful. But if you're on your own like me, because technically when I am done with a game, I'm unemployed until I get the next one. I, I'm not I'm hired by these different places, but I'm not an employee of any of them. I'm total independent contractor 1099. Um, but most of the games I've been able to get is truly through relationships and friendships that I've built. So I mentioned John Madani, the first program director at 97.5. I knew him while I was at UT because he worked at the station I was interning at. And, and, and we became friends, which obviously is fortunate. The first linear games I got for ESPN, and by that I mean it's not streamed on Plus, it's on ESPNU or ESPN2. Um, the woman at the time making those decisions, her name was Linda Schultz, who hired me for a couple of games. But I got to know Linda through an old friend named Dan Cole. Dan Cole was the video coordinator at Rice when I was there. He moved on to Charlotte, now he's with ESPN. Kept up that friendship. There are so many more examples. I won't bore you with them all, but there are so many other examples of relationships that I have had that have helped me get games um, that I'm still getting to this day. That's most of them. And then the other games I've gotten is what I had mentioned before, emailing the person who was in charge of ESPN3 at the time, because back then they were doing Sunbelt games in addition to American conference games. I emailed them every three months. I checked in sometimes. I just said, hello, hope you're doing well. When I got a new reel together, I said, hey, would love you to see what I've done lately. Let me know what you think. I mean, I didn't hear back. But why not keep emailing him? Because he's getting these emails and seeing them. 
but he's also getting them from hundreds of others. You know, I am a dime a dozen here. Um, so it's just one of those things where not just him, but I've sent emails out to tons of people who I've never heard back from or others who have said, thanks, but no, thanks. We already have enough people, but it is a volume business. It's a numbers game when you're in it in a position I am. So I would encourage anyone to get in touch. Like if someone wants to do games for these schools, get in touch with all of them that you are willing to travel to every single one. You'll hear from some right away. You won't hear from others, maybe because they're busy, um, whatever the reason, keep emailing them. Don't email them every week because then you're being pushy. Email them every couple of months, checking in, send them a reel. The more you're doing that, the better the chance you're going to get something back. And even if they say we don't have anything yet, you've made that contact. Keep in touch with them. And at some point, your break will come. David Sossman, thank you very much for that advice and taking time to speak with me. I appreciate it, man. And, and uh, let's make up. Let's Let's see if we can make it happen. Let's see. Let's do it. Let's do it. And I want to say about you, no one covers Houston hoops like you. Um, I think you're going to Minneapolis right for the final four, which is awesome. Uh, And so thanks for what you do, because you cover the game as it should. I mean, you cover the pro sports, but uh, you do men, women's college hoops. You're all over it. And and you're a great, great resource. So I'm envious of your trip this week, uh, but but go and have fun. And let's get this event together uh, somehow. Uh, It'll be great for for, for Houston. Let's start networking and and getting a team together. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks for the kind words, David. And uh, take care. All right. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.